Good morning. How y'all doing? Wonderful, man. It's already been awesome being here. I want to introduce a good friend of mine. This is Alex Weatherspoon. And, uh, good morning, everybody. Alex is... Y'all give him a hand. Alex, Alex's uncle, is that right? Uh, his name is uh, Sean, and we used to be in a rap group together, believe it or not. It ain't that funny. My rap name was Icy Cold. So... I'm not Pastor Chris this morning, I'm Icy Cole, so y'all can call me that. But what we're going to do is we're going to do, actually he's going to do, a rap for you this morning because we're starting a new series called Cribs. Uh, but Alex needs your help. Go ahead and tell him what you want to do, Alex. I just want to tell all y'all thank you, and uh, I want to tell Mr. Chris that uh, more of help from me, I'm getting help from him. Because I, I do this music a lot, I do all types of music, and uh, I was going through a lot in my life, and when I came to Mr. Chris and he gave me this opportunity, it changed my life a lot. And I appreciate him, so I want to give y'all give him a round of applause if y'all don't mind. And uh, you know, I just feel good. I guess it's like my testimony, so I guess we're just gonna have fun with this music, and I explain to you what it is. Now, what we'll be doing is I say, uh, "Smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You looking in the what? The the crib. The 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 crib." You know what I'm saying? That's how we do it. So what I need from y'all to say, I say, smile, baby Jesus. What, what you, you looking, looking at? at? I'm looking in the crib. You, you looking, looking in the what? The the crib, the, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east, I told him, check out the crib. Let's do it one more time. One more time, y'all get it. I want y'all to say it like y'all shocked, like, what you looking at? Like that, you know what I'm saying? All right, All right smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You're looking in the what? The, the crib, the, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east, I told him, check out the crib. Hey, smile, baby Jesus. I'm looking in the crib. The, the crib. In the east and told him check out the crib. I said, smile, baby Jesus. I'm looking in the crib. You're looking in the what? The, the crib. The, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east and told him check out the crib. Hey, problems coming like a freight train. My mind moving in circles like little kids when they skate, man. Problems coming like a full court press. Nevertheless, I can't stress. Gotta deal with the mess. And I'm not a mailman, but everything is addressed. Graduated in 05, but every day is the test. And the church, they say I'm more. My friends say that I'm less, but only God can judge me. He'll say that I'm blessed. Spin over backwards for the world. They want me to flex. Time is money. I'm on minutes. You can send me a text. Twelve hours ship every day. You can give me the checks. I just put it back in the bank. I'm trying to really invest. They say, smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You looking in the what? The, the crib. The, the, the crib. See the star in the east. I told him, check out the crib. I say, smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You looking in the what? The, the crib. The, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east and told him, check out the crib. Hey, this is major. Jesus in a major. Please don't be a stranger to him. You're in danger. Everybody praised him. Go, they just gave him. Everybody came to sing. Even the angels. King Abel was crazy. Yeah, he's just crazy. I get it. He's just crazy. He get it. Kind of crazy. Look, seen a star in the east. He knew what it is. He said Jesus was the man. He knew he right in the they say, smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You're looking in the what? The, the crib. The, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east. I told him, check out the crib. They say, smile, baby Jesus. What you looking at? I'm looking in the crib. You're looking in the... The, the crib. The, the, the crib. Seen a star in the east and told him, check out the crib. Hey! I appreciate all y'all, man. God bless.
<laughs> I guarantee you, there ain't nothing like that going on in any other churches around here. All righty. Uh, I'm sorry, Pastor. people live in, these cribs that they live in, I think, you know, thousand years ago, he wants to be, he wants to be in our crib, he wants to live in our heart, and uh, really, the entire thing that we're going to be talking about the next three weeks is the crib of Christmas, in fact, the word cribs stands, it's an acrostic and it stands for this, and it stands for crucial relationships initiated by the Savior. It's all about relationships. And what we're going to do in the next three weeks is we're going to look at the different people, the different relationships that revolve around the Christmas story. So many of you, we sing songs about this, and we talk about this, and all of these things. But uh, you're going to be surprised at what is in the Bible and what's not in the Bible. We're going to be looking at the the three wise guys next week. Um, But today we're going to be looking at a king, King Herod, because 2,000 years ago, this king, this King Herod, who lived in Jerusalem, just about five miles away from Bethlehem, he was confronted with the crib of Christ. And all of us today, I'm praying, and my hope and prayer is today, that you will all be confronted, and I will be confronted by the crib of Christ. So let me set the stage. Matthew chapter 2 is going to be at, and um, let me give you just a little bit of background. Matthew chapter 2, some uh, astronomers in the east are looking for a star. They're looking for a star. Now, we sing the th- we three kings of Orient are and things. We don't know if they were kings. They probably weren't. We don't know if there were three of them. There probably weren't three. There were probably more than three. Uh, the reason why we think there were three is because of the three gifts. But these wise guys over in the east, probably living in Babylon. We're going to talk about that next week. Babylon is where? Anybody know? Modern day what? (laughs) Yeah, we should know that, right? So these uh, three wise guys or these wise men, however many they are, they're over in Iraq, uh, over in Babylon, and they're looking for this star. They, uh, They were searching for God. They knew something was missing in their lives, and they were searching for God, even though Literally, they were thousands of miles away from where baby Jesus was to be born. And we're going to talk about this a lot next week, but if you're searching for God, God is going to come after you. Uh, We're going to be talking a lot about that next week. But they pack their donkeys, pack their camels, and they decide to go on a 2,500-mile trip from Babylon to Israel. So this took probably a year and a half to two years. They packed everything up, and they started uh, on this long trek to Jerusalem. They get into Jerusalem, and they, I mean, they are rich. they got the bling-bling all over them. They're showing up, and everybody's going, what's happening here? Who are these people from out of town? And they got money left and right, and they start asking a question. Where is he? Where's who? Where is the king? Oh, King Herod. 
He lives just around around the block in this big palace. You can't miss it. Now, I'm not talking about that king. I'm talking about the baby king. Where is, where is the baby king? Where is, where is the baby that we're going to worship? And everybody starts getting a little freaked out. And that's where we're going to pick up. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, let's read. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, let me stay right there. When was Jesus born? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the wise men show up. So how many of y'all got nativity sets at home? And you have the wise men next to baby Jesus? Yeah, that's wrong. Um, because at, Jesus had already been born, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week. But after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, I've been to Jerusalem before, and it is a beautiful city. It's hustling. It's bustling. There's a lot of stuff going on there. So these guys probably had their GPS systems trying to find out their Magellans or their Totos or whatever you got, and they're trying to find, uh, where is this king? Now, here's the miracle that you're going to see, verse 2. What's the miracle? Look at this. They stopped and asked directions, these three guys. Look at this. Verse 2, they stop and they say, where is the one? That's a miracle. Everybody go, ooh. All right. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Um, we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or maybe you don't even know God right now. You're still trying to reconnect with him this Christmas season. We all know this story, many of us. Let's continue reading. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 says this. When King Herod heard this, heard what? That these three guys, out-of-towners, are asking for a king, and it's not him. They're, they're looking for a king that's not King Herod. It says this. He was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. When he heard the fact that these Louis Vuitton-toting guys show up with all the rings on their fingers and all the gold, and they asking where is the king, he was disturbed. I mean, freaked out, ballistic. He was hitting the fan. And it says all of Jerusalem was freaked out and ballistic with him. Now that kind of seems weird. If Jesus was born, everybody should be happy, right? We're happy. Are you happy? I'm happy too. But they weren't happy. The people in Jerusalem were not happy. King Herod was not happy. Why weren't they happy? Well, because of King Herod. He was a really messed up dude. He was groomed for power. He wanted to be in control. He became the king at 25 years old. In fact, he came from such a politically wired family that his, his father was assassinated. And when King Herod became king, he gathered all the people to a party all the people that had something to do with his father's assassination and slit all their throats. And he said, okay, now let's drink up. Let's have a good time. I mean, this dude was weird. He was jacked up. He was messed up in the head. He was so paranoid. Um, it's amazing when he became king, um, he killed his wife's grandmother and his wife's brother. I mean, think about that. He comes home from work. Hey, honey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, by the way, I had your grandmother killed and your brother. Oh, thanks for sharing. What do you do with that? I mean, he's messed up. So Herod is, I mean, he's killing everybody, and he's paranoid because he's afraid they're going to take his throne. He's afraid he's going to lose control, not only of his kingdom, but as we're going to talk about a little bit later, of calling the shots in his life. King Herod killed three of his sons because he was afraid they were going to take over. In fact, one of them he killed right before he died because he was asking too many questions about the will. 
Um, when, when King Herod is getting ready to die of disease, he knows he's going to die, and he's worried about people crying about him and, and, and mourning his death. And he knew they weren't going to do it because he was a bad dude. So what did he do? He got all of, he threw a party. This dude was a party person, but you don't want to go to his parties. He threw a party, and all of the best and the brightest, and he had them all killed so that everybody would mourn when he died because they'd be mourning for all of these good people the popular and the prominent. So this is the type of period we're talking about. He is all about power. He is all about control. He is the king. So these magi come to Jerusalem and says, where is the king? And everybody in Jerusalem knows. This, he is so whacked on power that if anybody else is starting to talk about a king, that people are going to lose their heads. People are going to lose their heads. So, you know, let me just do a side note. When people try to maintain power and control of their lives. No, you may not be the king of Jerusalem, but you may be the king of your little domain. When people try to maintain that control and power, it's always going to lead to misleading people, mistreating people. Uh, It's always going to. And we're going to be talking about that at the end because uh, Christmas is coming up. Some of you are going to be traveling home, and you're going to be around those people that can just get you a little freaked out. Um... And uh, we're wanting you to work through some of those issues. Let's continue looking at uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 4, and let's continue reading the story. When he had called together, when who had called together? Herod. When Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they quoted Micah 5, 2, an Old Testament book. Um, In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler and will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So it's no surprise where the king was to be born. Nobody was looking for him, though, except travelers who traveled 2,500 miles away. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. But let's stick to Herod. Herod is gathering these wise men, gathering these religious leaders, and Herod was misusing these religious leaders because he is trying to get them to say, where is it going to happen? He's misusing them. You show me someone who has issues with power and control, and I'll show you someone who misuses people, who manipulates others, who moves them like they're pawns in a chess game, who just likes manipulating people, who sees people as cogs of a machinery when they're not that at all. They're people. Herod could care less about these religious leaders. Herod could care less about the baby in the crib. Herod wanted to protect his power. Well, we also see this, that he also misled the wise men because he invited them over to his crib. He says, come on, Herod says, come on into my crib. Let's talk a little bit. Why are you here? What are you doing? And they start talking. In fact, let's continue reading in verse 7 and 8. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, now this is kind of hilarious. Um, this is what Herod is saying. He's talking about misleading here or misusing. He says, I want you to go and find this baby Jesus. Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me so that I too may go and worship him. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. Because Herod was all about power and keeping his power. 
you show me someone who has issues of power and control, and I'll show you someone who misuses others, misleads others, who lies, who exaggerates, who puts a sinister spin on stuff to make themselves look good and other people look bad, to keep them running the show so that they can be sitting on the throne of their life. You know, the wise men were born at night, but they weren't born last night. So they go to Bethlehem, and they worship Jesus. And they were warned in a dream by an angel says, don't go tell Herod, because he doesn't want to worship baby Jesus. He wants to kill baby Jesus. These men were true seekers. These people came from a pagan nation. Uh, that's a kind of a churchy word, apologize. They come from a, they come from a nation that really didn't know anything about God. Um, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have churches. They didn't have anything. They just were totally lost, but they were seeking the one true God. And as we're going to look at next week, when you seek the one true God, God will seek after you. So they're seeking. The wise men go to the crib. They present these um, gifts. Y'all know the gifts? What did y'all call me? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right? And... Um, and then they leave another direction. And Herod is there, and he knows, he, he knows he's been duped. He's angry. He's ticked. And from there, he decides, okay, I'm going to fix this king once and for all. He was born a year and a half, two years ago. He descends all of his soldiers, and he says, I want you to kill all of the babies two years old and younger in Bethlehem. And they go, and they do that. Praise God. God knew he's, he, he's in control. He warned Joseph and Mary, said, you need to go to Egypt because Herod is he's going to come after you. So they left, and you, in all of, can you imagine? You're sitting at the table, and you're trying to feed your baby cereal, and they got the stuff all over the face, and they're throwing stuff over, and the soldiers come in and grab your child and kill him. How horrific. That's who Herod was, the type of person Herod was. When he was confronted by Jesus' crib, he chose not to change. He, chose, he wanted to be in control. He wanted to have the power. He wanted to stay in control of his life and to stay on the throne of his life. He mistreated others. He, he misled them and he, he, he misused them. And I want to just, as we apply this today, as we close, I want to ask, are you Herod? Well, no, I'm not Herod. I'm not that mean. I've never killed anybody. I'm not a king. Well, no, you may not be a king, but um, you may like to be in control. You may like to call the shots in your life. I mean, you may say, you know, I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. You don't own me. And many times that's where people get confronted by the crib of Christmas because they say, God just wants to tell me what to do. He wants to call the shots. And the thing about it is God loves you, but He does want to call the shots. Because he knows what's coming down the road and you don't. He is God and we're not. When we're confronted by the crib of Christmas, so many people walk away from Jesus because they say, I want to be in control of my life. And that leads us to our big idea. God wants you to give up being control. And he wants Jesus to be in control. God wants us to give up control of our lives to Jesus. Let's all say that out loud. God wants us to give up control of our lives to Jesus. That is what He wants. That's what He's asking you today. 
And you think, well, I, you know, I, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't think I have a problem with control or power. Well, let me ask you three questions to see if you do. The first one is this. In what area do you tend to misuse other people? Do you see people as steps on the ladder that you can crawl over so that you can be the person you want to be? When you look at another woman, do you just see them as an object, a, 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 just a, a sex object, or do you see somebody who God loves? Um, how about your marriage? How do you treat your husband? Do you treat him like an ATM machine? Just give me some more money and we'll be okay? Or guys, do you treat them just as a flesh? Or do you see them as a person that God loves? What about your workplace? How much do you do this? You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all suck up to your bosses so that you can get to the next level? And you don't care nothing about him. You just want to go to the next level. Or parents, especially single parents, I know how hard it is. I mean, I can't even imagine trying to be a single parent today. But do you ever misuse your children so that you can get back at your ex? See, God wants us not to misuse other people. He doesn't want you to be in control and have power in your lives. He wants the control. He wants to have the power. Next question is this. In what area do you tend to mislead others? Do you ever exaggerate the truth? Do you ever kind of stretch it so that it would make you look good? I'm sure none of you do that. I've got to be honest with you, the people in, in my profession, we have a tendency to do that. And when somebody asks you, how many did you have in church on Sunday? Thousands, millions. Really? That's, that's amazing. All right? Why, why do we do that? Because so many times we think, you know what, if, this, if we had this size or this size, and it has nothing to do about bigness. It has everything to do about pursuing God. You see, we struggle with this as well. Preachers do as well. We have a tendency to mislead others, to, to exaggerate, to make us look better than what we really are. So instead of this Christmas season, when you go over to your family's house and they ask you, so how are you doing? Instead of exaggerating and making yourself look better, here's, a, here's just a, just try this. Try the truth. Amazingly enough, it works. And there may be, this may have been a rough year for you. And you know what? When you're able to drop the facade and the mask and say, this is, I'm struggling this year. 07 has been a rough year for me. You're, that's when people will also drop their mask and they're going to huddle around you. Last question is this, to see whether you have an issue of power control. Do you tend to mistreat other people? Um, you know, you may not be like Herod, but do you ever gossip? about other people and cut them down? Do you ever slander? Now, let me tell you what slander is. Because that's kind of a word. Slandering is telling the truth about somebody in order to get to them. You see, it's, well, I'm not gossiping. I'm not making stuff up. But if you're slandering, it's just as bad. Because you're telling the truth, but you're doing that to harm them. Again, we're so, we struggle with this so much around the Christmas holidays because we, we gossip. We backbite. We, uh, we just kind of are at each other's throats, whether it be a parent, uh, an ex, uh, your, your step-parent, 
whether it be your sister or your brother, it may be your whatever, um, I would encourage you this Christmas, what God wants from you today. He wants you, if you're sitting on the throne of your life, he want, if you're calling the shots in your life, if you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and nobody's going to tell me what to do, what God wants from you today is this. He wants you to get up off of the throne of your life from making decisions and let Jesus sit there. Let Jesus call the shots. Let Jesus tell you what to do with your money, what to do with your marriage, how to parent. So many times we keep digging holes and we wonder, how can we get in these holes? Uh, the great theologian Roy Rogers said this. Y'all don't even know who Roy Rogers is. All right. you know, he said this. He says, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. So many of us, we are in a hole that's eight feet, and we can, we can barely see out of it. And the reason why we're there is because we got the shovel. We're in control. We're calling the shots. How about giving that to God and let Him come into your life you know so many times we say this becoming a christian and that's so churchy but i want to break that down a little bit for you today it's more than just religion it's more than just coming to church it's more than just throwing money in a bucket it's more than any of that god wants a relationship with you he wants to control you he wants to call the shots in your life but you got to get up off of the throne and you got to let him You've got to ask Him. And we call that word prayer. But you just got to ask Him. You've got to talk to Him. So as we close today, I'm going to ask you this. There are some of you, you've been coming here for three months now, and, and you're, you're, you're as empty now as you were three months ago because this is not the fix. Church is not the fix. Jesus is the fix. He wants to be in your heart and in your life, but you've got to ask Him. You've got to ask Him. So we're getting ready to pray. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down. We're just going to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray it silently in your head to yourself. But if you want to start that relationship with Jesus this morning, I want you to pray a prayer like this. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I am messed up. I am a sinner. And Lord, I am broken. And I've tried piecing myself back together, and I can't. I've tried having other people piece myself back together, and I can't. Lord, I, I've not asked you yet. God, I'm asking you today, come into my heart. I pray that you would take all of these pieces, and you would fuse them into one, because you are the one doing it. You are in control. Lord, we love you. And I thank you so much for hearing my prayer. Cleanse me. I ask that you would just take all of that muck out of my life. And Lord, give me you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.